welcome to the OCR Underground Show. Each week, you get the latest research, training secrets of top coaches, and everything you need to crush your next obstacle course race and finish burpee-free. Here's your host, SGX coach, Mike Diebler. All right, well, welcome back. This is the OCR Underground, your number one resource for smarter OCR training. I am your host, Mike Diebler, and uh, welcome to episode number 57. If you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head on over to ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 57. Well, this year is coming to an end. It's kind of crazy to to think how fast the year has gone by. And to be honest, I was thinking about just coasting through the rest of the year, like I know a lot of people tend to do, and um, just kind of wait until January before I started and got another podcast out there. But I just thought, you know, a, a common theme I try and teach with my clients is, you know, finishing the year strong. So I figured I'm just going to get going, put an episode together and get this one out before the end of 2018. So that is what I'm doing. I'm actually getting ready to head up to Big Bear tomorrow to uh, relax for the rest of the year. But before I go, I just wanted to get get this next episode out. But as usual, I didn't want to just throw something together. I worked hard to get some some good stuff for you uh, this week. So in this episode, in the Inside Mike's Mind segment, I'm going to talk about change. Um, I know we we typically focus on the the training side of of OCR racing, but I do want to talk about you know with January coming around and wanting to start new habits, we we have to change in order for some of these things to actually occur. So I uh, want to shed some light on on that topic. And in our research review, we're going to talk about working out when you're sick, when it's a good idea and when it might be a bad idea because it is that time of year. Um, and then in our uh, coaches segment, we have on coach Dan Schamberg, and he's going to talk about uh, a couple things, but we're really going to focus on junk miles. It's a term that you might hear often, but we're going to kind of define that term and really help you understand what it means and how you can avoid getting some of those junk miles in. So uh, let's get into uh, this episode. All right, guys, before we get into this week's episode, I just have a a quick announcement, a special segment that we're going to do. On with me right now is Andrea Bowden with Next Level Fitness Training, and she has some exciting news that she was going to share with you guys. Hey, Mike. Yeah, so we at Umpqua Community College were thinking it would be super cool to partner with OCR Underground to help us build our obstacle race program. We at UCC are the first collegiate program in the nation and so far the only, and we are looking to recruit more athletes. And I think this is a perfect place to go. Awesome. I mean, we're super excited to have you partner with us and, um, I'll put a link to uh, our interview we did in episode 47, where we talked a lot about this, but we'll kind of give everybody a summary. Um, but this is pretty crazy that, um, one, that it's the only school doing it, but some of the things that you, the opportunities that students have with this is, is pretty unbelievable. So um, there is uh, scholarships available for something yes. like this, correct? Yes, yes, we have scholarships. And when people come in, even if you're out of state, we'll give you in-state tuition. We'll offer scholarships, um, all kinds of other really cool nifty things that athletes get. Um, And it's a beautiful place to go to school. We do have, um, we do have some, in particular, really, there's a great nursing program um, or programs that for that. But we also have, um, if you want to go to a four-year college, we have a transfer programs and then some, um, I'm forgetting the word for, you know, like we have forestry and we have a, a bunch of other programs that don't require a four-year degree. Awesome. Like a certificate program or yeah, um, like that. Yes. Something like that. Trades, you know, learning okay. some trades. Awesome. And, so, yeah, so. so uh, what types of races do you guys uh, participate in? I mean, obviously obstacle course racing, but which, which ones yeah. in particular? Yeah. So we have done Spartan. We raced Spartan Sacramento. 
we because of the season well we are closer to the portland one but it's not when within our season so we have to drive all the way to sacramento but we do we've done that one a couple we've only been we started in 2017 so we've done 2017 and 2018 and then we did terrain race and we did a warrior dash and we did another race that's gone under since but it was called the inferno and we have done we put on our own local events and then at our own school at our school because we have our own obstacle course course at our school which is very cool and we did another a race in bend that was a, a local race called the great harvest ocr which was super cool she's actually going to do that again and it's in bend and it was a real it was a really it was a really fun one it was very well done so yeah so we've done that and um awesome, awesome. And success at spartan so far yeah, yeah, it looks like you uh, you had some success this past year. Yeah, so in 2017, it's before Spartan gave us the opportunity to stand on a podium if we age group one. So it was when it was just the competitive. But in that year, we had first place women in our age group, a first place man in his age group, a second place man in his age group, and a third place man in his age group. And but that was before they did podiums. So unfortunately, awesome. we didn't get to sit on the podium or stand. But it's a pretty cool. That was our first year. We had some awesome athletes. And then this year in 2018, we is when they did have the age group podium. So we we had a a, a man from our team on third place in his age group in Spartan Sacramento. So we're super stoked. We have a really good program. We have awesome kids. Um, I've raced. Uh, I've raced obstacle course racing and I've been training for a few decades so so I know the sport and I know training and so you know when the kids come they're they're getting good training and they're getting somebody who has experience so we can be competitive. So Umpqua Community College is in Southern Oregon. Um, we're super excited to have you guys partnering with us and um, we're excited to get the word out there. If anyone out there listening is interested or knows somebody who's uh, getting ready to go to school and is interested, how do they take advantage of something like this? Yes, please, please, please. Look, all you have to do is you go on UCC, so as in Umpqua Community College, UCCRiverHawks.com, and then there's a place where you go to sports and then look for obstacle course racing, and you can send in a form that comes to me and says, I'm interested. So I would love to talk to you more if you are interested, anybody out there. We have room for for you know plenty of athletes and we really want you we want you here it's such a beautiful place to be and just thank you so much to you and ocr underground for helping us and um and working with us and helping gr grab some young athletes who want to come and go to school absolutely so i'll put the link there in the show notes to make it even easier for people to uh, get to that form and contact you and yeah this is just an awesome opportunity to just have fun doing OCR and actually help you get through school. So make sure yes. you guys check that out. Thanks so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate it. All right, so it's time for the Inside Mike's Mind segment. And <clears throat> there, most of the stuff that I like to talk about is, you know, different training things, help get stronger, faster, run better, perform better, all those things. And um, that's primarily what I'm going to focus on throughout this podcast. But today, I want to talk about change because in order to get better, something in your life has to change. Unless you're 100% happy with how things are going, um, then you, you need to change something. And, you know, we can always, you know, go down the road of, you know, you're perfect the way you are. But I think if you're listening to this, there's things that you want to improve on. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You want to get faster and get stronger and all these different things. So <clears throat> we're going to take more of a general approach on you need to do something different. And it's sometimes it's not a lack of information, right? You know exactly what to do. You listen to this podcast, you listen to hundreds of other podcasts and read books and read blogs and, and all these different things. Um, it's the implementation that's always the challenge. So that's why I wanted to take, you know, just a few minutes and really help you get an idea of what it takes to to make some of these changes. Because ultimately, you know, we have these goals that we're going to set in, in January, most likely. And, you know, we think big, we dream big, but it really comes down to the daily 
habit that you're going to implement to get you one step closer to that goal. Now, if you pick that big goal that is just out there and it's kind of the end product, yet you want to be a certain weight, you want to get on the podium, whatever it might be, those are all great. But if you don't have the specific steps that you need to take to get to that goal, to that goal, uh, you're gonna have a hard time really measuring and and monitoring your progress throughout. So I, I want to talk about change. And in order for you to change, there's there's a couple things that you need to consider. And if you're a big reader like I am, um, I have a couple great resources for you that I can put the links to in the show notes. Uh, show notes, but three books that I. Um, really like on on this topic about uh, change and personal growth. Uh, One is called Switch by uh, Dan and Cheap Heath. Uh, The second is uh, The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And the third is The 15 Invaluable Laws of Growth by John Maxwell. So uh, those are some resources for you. Um, What There's an overwhelming theme in all three of those books, and it's about that if you want to make a change, if you want to start a new habit, you have to focus on multiple aspects of your life. You can't just focus on the one thing. Uh, you want to work out more. Uh, that's great. And and you can measure that and you can start to get to the gym. But there's uh, two big things that I want you can, uh, to consider. And that's really the idea of, you know, you, that you need to change yourself. But um, the bigger thing that people often miss is the environment that you're in has to change. And if you don't change both of those, you're going to have an issue. Um, This is a big point brought up in uh, John Maxwell's book. And looking at if you change yourself, uh, but don't change your environment, growth is going to be slow and difficult. Now, if you change your, uh, before I go ahead, let's, let's take an example so that makes sense. So if you change yourself like I'm going to start eating better and eat more vegetables, and that's that's my new habit that I'm going to change for myself. So I'm going to try and just eat, eat better throughout the day. But you don't change your environment. So maybe you keep junk food in the house. So there's a more of a likely chance that you're going to eat those bad foods because it's the easier, more convenient, and probably tastier option. Um, or it could be, you know, you want to be healthier, you want to work out more, you want to push yourself, but you have friends that don't uh, fit that that lifestyle and they kind of drag you down a little bit. So um, that's what we mean by by changing yourself and but but not changing your environment. You're not uh, changing the things to make this whole process easier. All right. So you can you can change your environment, but not yourself. So when we do this, we actually see some growth. It's going to be slow, um, and there's actually less difficulty, but it's it's still going to be a slow process. Now this could be you're not really committing yourself to any specific health goal, but maybe you're changing your environment so you're just going to keep better options around in the house or you're just going to hang out with people that are more active so you're more likely to to be active, but you know it's probably not going to be as consistent and um, you're not really buying into the whole process. So you'll probably pick up some good habits from just changing your environment, but it's not going to get us to uh, our goal as quickly as we, we want to be. Um, and then our, our last option is let's change ourselves and let's change the environment. And when we can do both of these things, we're going to see the, the best results. And um, what we want to understand is with changing ourselves, this is not always rational. And I, I mentioned the book Switch. I, I love the analogy they use. They use the rider on the elephant and the path go, going down the path. Um, and these are kind of the three things that they they uh, talk about considering when we want to change and start a new habit or start a bad habit. So we have our rational side. This is going to be the rider on the elephant. You have your um, emotional side, which is going to be the elephant, and then you have your environment, which is going to be the path. So you want to consider all of these different things because rational sometimes works well, um, you might be more of a rational type person, um, but we do irrational things all the time. How many times I've heard people say, well, you know, I messed up at breakfast or I had a bad meal, so just screw it, the whole day is ruined, and I'm just going to eat whatever I want now. Like this this is that all or none principle is completely irrational and makes absolutely no sense. Uh, the analogy I always like to use is if you were driving 
down the highway and you missed your exit, would you just be like, well, screw it. I missed my exit. Might as well just keep driving. Right? It sounds silly when you put it that way. You're going to you know, get off at the next exit, recalculate, and figure out the, the best way to get back on track. And, and that's exactly what we want to do. Um, but the problem is you know, we have this rider sitting on top of this big elephant, which is our emotional side, and that's really going to take over. So the, the rational self is just trying to steer the emotional side. But when the emotions take over, they're, they're really hard to consider. So you need to know what your triggers are. You need to know what sets yourself off. Um, and just be aware of, of when you're being irrational and, and just try and keep your emotions under control there. And then that final point is the path. If the path is is um, hard to get through and hard to navigate through, it's going to make this whole process as, uh, much more difficult. So um, the big thing I just wanted to talk about here is just understanding these two things. So you need to change something about yourself. It might be a habit, starting a new habit, stopping a habit, taking action on, on something that's going to help you get to a specific goal, being uncomfortable, right? That's that's the whole point of this. You're not going to get to a goal that's really worth having unless you go through some struggle, go through some challenges, get out of your comfort zone, and, and really push yourself. So we need to understand that. And the rational side of you might think, well, I'm just going to use willpower, dedication, all, all of those things, motivate and stay motivated to, to reach my task. And um, you may have heard this before, but willpower, all that, that's uh, great when you're in a pinch. But for a long-term change, it's really not going to help you out a whole lot. Um, you know, if you're going to a party and you just need some willpower to make it through that one event, that's one thing. But when we're looking for long-term change to see some significant progress, really, we need to focus on on setting up our environment, really making things, making the the best choice the easiest choice. Because that's that's why fast food is so so popular, and because it's convenient. You know, you're gonna get food, tastes you know pretty good, and you're gonna get it really fast. Um, it's easy. So why would I go home and, and cook something, right? So you need to uh, make that food uh, readily available. You need to keep workout clothes in your car. You need to have a program uh, written up and ready to follow. You need to find a workout partner. You need to hire a coach. You need to do all of these different things that are going to take you to the next level. Otherwise, you know, you're going to hit December 2019 and kind of look back and be like, eh, you know, I, I kind of got better, but it's really more of the same stuff. So um, this is, hopefully this all makes sense, but these are the steps that are going to be needed in order to make a big change. And if you want 2019 to, to have a, a more impact and, and, and just be a, a bigger year than in previous years, it's time to, to consider all these different things. Get out of your comfort zone, get some help, change your environment, change your habits. But the ultimate thing is we need to do things every day every day that's gonna get you closer to that goal. So hopefully my ramblings made sense. Um, I know when, as January rolls around, these are things that people are, are thinking about. So uh, whatever your goals might be, whether it's training, nutrition, or whatever, all this is gonna be uh, applicable there. So um, hopefully that helps uh, steer you for a, a more successful 2019. Well, it's the winter time, and that means that lots of people are getting sick, colds, flus, all that fun stuff. And, um, you know, I'm even uh, fighting something. Hopefully you can't tell too much in my voice, but you might hear a couple coughing fits come up. Um, but it's just that time of year, and it obviously will affect your training. And there's always that kind of debate or argument, you know, should you work out? You know, is exercise going to help with uh, when you're sick. Um, so I wanted to go over a study for this week's research review that looked looked at this topic. And this is a hard topic to really discuss because there's lots of different illnesses and viruses out there. And I don't think we can just blanket statements say, here's what you should do. But let's at least look at this one study um, that specifically looked at um, cold-like symptoms. So this is from, uh, it's an older study from late 90s, but um, this is from uh, Medicine, Science, and Sport and Exercise. And what they wanted to do was look at uh, how exercise influenced uh, severity and duration of uh, upper a viral upper respiratory illness. So what they did was took a group of individuals, split them in half to create a control group and uh, an exercise group. And <clears throat> what they did for everyone in the experiment was um, expose them to a rhinovirus, which kind of sucks, but if you sign up for a study, uh, this is what you had to go through. And uh, the control group basically did nothing. 
over the period. And the exercise group, they just had them work out for 40 minutes every other day, uh, moderate intensity. So they're doing uh, roughly 70% of their max heart rate. And uh, they did that over uh, a couple weeks. And they want, and every 13 hours, they just had them filled out a, um, a symptom evaluation and survey and basically just uh, put down how they were feeling. They even, uh, it's kind of gross, but they measured or they weighed their used tissues so they can you know, see how much mucus was coming out. Um, <clears throat> that would be a terrible job to have. But yeah, they just wanted to compare these, these two groups and see how this exercise influenced the, the symptoms and their illness. And they wanted to see if it would speed it up, make it worse, whatever. And actually what they found was there was really no difference. Uh, they, they, you know, the, the severities, so how bad the, the cold was, was pretty much the same for both groups and uh, didn't make it longer, shorter or anything like that. It was uh, not, not too much of a, a, of a difference there. So <clears throat> the main takeaways that I think we can start with this is, one, we just want to remember they use moderate intensity. So what would have happened if they used high intensity? You know, we, we don't know. We'd have to look at another study that would do this. But what I, it is always important to remember that if you're sick, it means your immune system is fighting something, fighting a virus, inflammation, whatever it is. Exercise is also going to stress your immune system. So if your immune system is busy fighting a cold and then you exercise and stress the system even more, it can't put all of its energy towards fighting whatever it's it's trying to fight. So this could actually make things worse. And, and there's some studies that, that show this with, with different types of, of illnesses. <clears throat> so we, we just want to remember that. But it did look like that moderate intensity really had no influence. So one way or the other. So if you have, uh, you know, a lot of people will say the above the neck rule, where if it's more cold-like symptoms where they're above the neck, uh, you know, runny nose, congestion, sinuses, things like that, that you're probably safe to exercise, but just monitor the intensity. Keep it keep it a little bit lower, lower to moderate until the symptoms go away. This might be a safe bet to at least you know not totally lose what you've worked so hard for. Um, it might be a week to you know kind of just chill, deload a little bit, and then um, start to pump it up again once you you get over that that cold. <clears throat> if the symptoms get worse. Obviously, this is something that you want to pay attention to and you might need to, to back off. All right, so we've mainly been talking about cold. Um, what about flu? So if it's something like a flu, things totally change. This is a different story. Um, I, I, you know, If you have the flu, I don't know who really would want to work out, but um, exercise is probably not your best option there. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, I need to sweat it out, sweat out that fever, and that's probably a really bad idea. Um, there's a reason you have a feeder, fever. Your internal temperature is, is rising as your body is fighting, fighting uh, whatever it is fighting, and you exercising and raising that temperature even more uh, could be pretty damaging. And actually, there's some research uh, showing that with intense exercise, um, you know, back in the, the 30s and 40s when polio was, was around, um, those that were doing uh, athletics and uh, high-intensity effort were getting worse bouts of the disease. Same thing for flu. Those that were exercising during flu, it was too much taxing on the on the system, and they were actually developing a chronic fatigue chronic fatigue syndrome. So really, I think the main point is uh, use common sense. So if it's something just not too bad, but maybe a little cold or something like that, you're probably safe, and it might not be a bad idea to do some moderate intensity. It's okay. You're not going to miss out by missing a week or even two weeks. The more important thing is to recover, get your fluids, uh, get the vitamins, foods that you need to, to help you recover and get better. And then really important is remember to ease yourself back into it because if you just try and jump in right where you left off, you might actually uh, suffer from a relapse and actually just, again, stress the system too much and um, uh, your immune system is just too weak to keep fighting and now we have a, an, a, you know, a, a relapse of whatever you were suffering from. So, so ease yourself back in. I know this is hard. You guys listening out there want to push yourself, want to work hard, but you just, you know, sometimes you're going to uh, lose the battle to win the war. You, you just want to you know, let your body fight the cold, fight the illness, whatever it is. And then when you're uh, feeling better, slowly ease yourself back in. And, and before you know it, you'll be back at it and doing burpees and, and pushing yourself. So uh, just try not to stress too much.
All right. Well, this week's Coach's Corner, I have on a return guest. I have Coach Dan Schamberg with Shift Fitness on. How are you doing today, Dan? I'm doing great now, Mike. Awesome. So, well, one, happy, uh, happy birthday. Merry Christmas. Thank you Both. very much. Um, how, how does that work? I know it's probably a question you get a million times. So having your birthday on Christmas, do you feel gypped? Is it not a big deal? Um, well, I've got the perfect answer because I've heard that uh, quite a bit. So my, my response to that is I think it's crazy to get presents in April. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, What's just... going on in April or you know March or August, whenever. So to me, it's not that big of a deal, but that's the way I look at it. Awesome. Yeah, my, my birthday's coming up, so I'm not exactly on a holiday, but I'm on the 30th, so in a couple of days. So I always like it because it was like Christmas and then a couple of days later, my birthday. So December's just awesome. And then it's New Year's and... I pretty much just always said, like, when people are out partying for New Year's, like, it was all for my birthday. So there um, you go. I was well, like, I never have to work on my birthday. So that's the benefit. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing. <laughs> um, well, uh, so we've we've had you on the podcast before. Um, if I was prepared, I would know what episode it was, but I'll put a link in the show notes um, so people can check that out. And we're going to talk about some some similar things. Uh, but first I, you know, we talked about your background in the last episode, so, um, you know, people can, can check that out, but you, you know, you, you haven't done an OCR yet, but you're, you're going to, because of a bet you lost, um, to Yes. <laughs> yes, I so, will be doing OCR. Awesome. So Florida beat Tennessee this year. So now the, the payment is uh, an OCR and you, you kind of stepped it up and we're like, well, I'll, I'll at least do a beast because, you know, why do anything shorter than that? It was really your opinion. Well, that, that's based on my wife. She won't let me do any distance of a race that I would normally go on a run to train. Yeah. I'm not allowed to do anything marathon or less. Perfect. Totally logical. So, <laughs> um, but just to, so you, you have a, a pretty strong background, not just on the education, science, coaching side of it, but you're, you're out there doing ultra events and you did a pretty crazy race this year that um, if you can just kind of explain how it went, um, uh, just how it all worked. So uh, people get an idea of something, you know, maybe this isn't a typical thing, but something that you will will do and put yourself through. Yeah, so the event, uh, my most recent event was called, uh, it's an ultra marathon. Um, It's called Big Dogs Backyard Ultra. And it's it's kind of different from a typical ultra marathon or any distance race, right? There's like, you know, 10 kilometers marathon, um, half marathon, ultra marathon, that sort of thing, you know, 50 miles, hundred miles. Um, there was no set distance on this because this is a event known as last man standing. Whereas every hour on the hour, there's a 4.1667 mile loop and you have to run that 4.1 miles every hour. And if you finish in an hour, then you get to do it again and again and again. And so the way that uh, Laz, the director, a uh, race director says is you're tied for first every hour. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And it goes until, um, only one person's left. You know, if, uh, and this year, I think the winners did, these are elite 200 mile plus athletes, you know, they're conditioned to run multiple hundreds of miles at a given, uh, any given time. And so they went, I think, 270 ish miles. I forget the exact. So it was over two days, uh, over two and a half days of continuous running every hour on the hour. That's, that's uh, just insane. But so I'm trying to get to that level of, of performance, but right now I was only able to manage a measly 28 hours. <laughs> and so how and many, uh, miles, 16 point something miles. Yeah. So not, not too shabby there. Well, not too bad. The yeah. issue, I think, was nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily enough, I was able to get into the 2019 race. Um, it's becoming more and more selective and difficult to get into. So I was fortunate enough to get into it for this time. So my goal is over 200 miles. That's awesome. Cool, cool. So, and I'll put a link if anybody out there listening is uh, crazy enough to do something like that or just wants to check out some of the results because it is incredibly impressive. I remember when you were out. Uh, doing this race, kind of everybody at the gym was checking in just to see, uh, well, you know, one, it, you, if you were still in it and how far you were making it. And then after you, uh, you uh, um, stopped, you know, people kept checking just to see what were the winners, you know, finally doing. So it was, it was a cool event just to like 
know about. So I'll, I'll put a link so people can check that out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, <clears throat> oh yeah. I'll send you the information, but yeah, it's, it's a fun, it's different. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, is necessary for something like that, an ultra or really, you know, a marathon, a half marathon, we can't take these things too lightly. And there's a topic that we've kind of briefly talked about on uh, the show, but I want to maybe get some clarification from you to help our listeners out. And that's this whole idea of junk miles. So let's just start. I guess, what is it? What are junk miles? Yeah. So junk miles, that's very important to kind of figure out what exactly are we talking about here? Um, If you just like to run, for example, and you're just going out there and running for the fun of it, those aren't junk miles. Um, you know, they have a purpose. You know, you enjoy running. It helps you relax. Um, you know, you feel better after run. My wife will often send me on a run because I'm acting like an ass or <laughs> I'm stressed out. So those are not junk miles. Um, you know, if you have a particular mileage goal, for example, um, I have a client who's trying to get 5,000 miles in the next four days. Well, finish 5,000 miles for the year in the next four days. So every mile he is doing goes towards that goal. So those are not junk miles. Um, Junk miles where they come into play are when you're training for a particular event, they're miles that don't contribute to a physiological adaptation, right? If you're training for a marathon or you're training for a sprint or whatever your distance in OCR you know, I guess in the case of this podcast, any mile that doesn't contribute to you improving on your ability to perform or junk miles. So maybe let's clarify what, uh, what specific uh, physiological adaptations would we be going for? Yeah, the, the main two that most people are trying to improve upon are your aerobic threshold and your, the opposite end of that, your anaerobic threshold right? Your, your high end output and your low end ability to burn fat, to be able to go for a long period of time and improve your running economy. Um, and then on the other end, your high end being able to sprint, to push hard for, for periods of time as you're going to during a, an OCR event where you've got an obstacle and then you have to get from one to the next and be able to push at your, your peak performance. Um, so those are the two main areas, the high intensity and the low intensity uh, threshold. Okay. So, and kind of everything in between, uh, I mean, would you cl- clar- uh, classify everything between as junk miles or does it kind of depend on maybe the specific style of training you're doing? It, it definitely require, uh, ad- uh, sorry, <clears throat> it definitely depends on what you're training for. When you're training for high intensity work, you want to train high intensity and that's maximum effort. And when you want to train for the low end uh, aerobic endurance, efficiency, running economy, you want to train at your aerobic threshold. Now, and like you said, anything between those two points is you're not really being efficient at training either one. I think I mentioned that before the last time we spoke. Yeah, yeah. So just to go out, if you're training for a beast, what's the distance on a beast again? I'm not really sure. Uh, roughly 13 miles. So 13 miles. If you're just going out for an easy jog as part of your training, um, but you're, you're sweating, you're pushing yourself, but you're, you're not working very hard at all. You're not working on your sprinting and you're, and you're above your aerobic threshold. Those could be considered junk miles. You're not getting any benefit necessarily out of those miles other than additional time on your feet. Mm-hmm. And, and that's never a bad thing. Um, so some people say there's no such thing as junk miles because you're always running. You're always getting time on, on your feet. But the way I look at it is junk miles are from a training adaptation point of view. Yeah. And I think, I I think that's a great point to bring up where it's sure getting out there and running is great, especially if you're just getting started, like, don't worry about a lot of this stuff because you're just trying to get in the habit of getting out there and running and, and getting some miles under your feet. But it's like anything, not junk miles. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's just remembering that. Um, I think that point that you, you keep bringing up and it's almost like that we're, we're trying not to be the, the jack of all trades here. Like you want your workouts to have a specific, function and and just getting more efficient it's like yeah you can go lift weights and get stronger but if you do it a very specific way you can get really strong you can get more power or or maybe you just want to build more muscle size but unless you specifically are doing a a strength workout geared towards those goals you're kind of just uh you're just lifting weights but not with a necessarily specific purpose no that's a great example 
you know, you can't, you're not going to put on a lot of strength and power just doing circuit workouts, right? Yeah. You're not going to burn a lot of calories if you just do uh, an Olympic session, right? Yeah. Um, like if you take the example of Frank, a guy we work with, you know, he'll work extremely hard for short bursts of activity. Mm-hmm. But if you look at his MEPS, you know, the, from the uh, cardio, uh, the heart rate device, he, it doesn't look like he's doing very much. Mm-hmm. He's doing high intensity, maximum effort for 10 to 30 seconds at a time. And then he's resting for two to five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. And then if we watch him go run, well, I don't think we'll ever see him run, but if, if he tried to run even a mile, uh, you know, two miles, any kind of distance there, now he's spent so much time on the one end, he's losing a little bit from the other. And for him, that's okay, because that's what he's specifically training for. So um, I think it's just important for everybody listening to remember, you know, what is your specific goal? Maybe where are your weaknesses and trying to get, you know, uh, focus on one more than the other just to improve on that, um, I think is always important. Yeah, and you don't have to come at it from a scientific approach and know exactly what your aerobic threshold is and what your anaerobic threshold is, and I have to be above this heart rate or below another heart rate in order for the workout to count. What really comes down to is with each training session, in this case, we'll talk about running, um, what are you trying to accomplish? Excuse me. If you do not have a clear, defined goal or something you're trying to do, then that's a junk mile. There's no purpose behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So let's, I, I guess, so if we start from non-scientific to more scientific, just to give people an idea, yeah. what would you kind of, let, let's just say, all right, I'm, I'm not using a heart rate monitor. I don't know what um, any of my thresholds are. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, how would you get somebody to just say, have an idea this, and let's just stick with running. Um, this style of run would be your more aerobic and this style would be more of your anaerobic. And I I know this might sound very obvious, but just so everybody's on the same page. Yeah, no, of course. So if you're looking to work on your aerobic performance, and so what that's going to allow you to do is, for example, to be able to go for longer periods of time with less effort and the same thing with the anaerobic, but through different mechanisms, but well, that's, that's a little more scientific or precise, but you're trying to improve your aerobic capacity, your ability to go for a period of time. You're trying to improve your ability of your body to burn fat as a fuel source. So that way you can, again, work harder for a longer period of time during your races. You're going to go into your aerobic threshold or aerobic training. So for that, if you're not doing any sort of heart rate training, it should be in a relatively or very easy aerobic pace. You should be able to hold a conversation. It should feel easier than you expect it to. When I have people that do VO2 max testing with me, we determine their aerobic threshold and then actually have them train at that threshold, which is usually in the, you know, for a trained person, mid 140s to an untrained person, you know, 130s even, you know, low Mm -hmm. 130s, even 120s, they're going to feel like you're, they're not doing anything. They're going to, this workout was completely useless. Mm -hmm. Um, But the point being is you you want to challenge your aerobic system. So it should be easy. You should break a sweat, of course, but it shouldn't be where you have to, to think about maintaining a particular pace. You should be able to just go out there at an easy conversational pace and you should feel like you can do it for hours with that on end. Mm-hmm. That's the level of intensity you're looking for for aerobic. Um, for the anaerobic threshold, that's basically sprinting you should be able to do these intensities you know, for a very short period of time at maximum all-out effort. Mm-hmm. If it's something that you can do for 15, 20, 25 minutes and you're like, oh, I'm working pretty hard, but you're not going as hard as you can, then you're not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. So where would like, um, let's say like tempo running, mm-hmm. tempo training come into play? So because it is an extended period of time, yeah. but you're also basically pushing that anaerobic threshold, correct? So training and, and racing are, are obviously two different things. When you're training, you're working you know, mo- most of the time, ideally, at either end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. For mo- a majority of the time, or a lot of the time. A tempo run is one of these runs that people also often say they're junk miles, mm-hmm. uh, very commonly, because you're going harder than aerobic, but not as hard as maximum effort. You're, um, and so... If you're doing those 
tempo runs with no specific purpose, then those can be considered junk miles because you're not doing anything in particular. But if you're doing them for the, the purpose of, hey, I'm training for my 10K beast, I need to be able to maintain a particular pace. So you have a goal behind those tempo miles. They're not junk miles. Okay. Because they're in that gray zone of not, not maximum effort and definitely above aerobic threshold. But you know, you could do it for an extended period of time. You're teaching your body to be able to maintain that pace, right? For a tempo run, you're not trying to burn fat or you're not just trying to maximize your effort. You're trying to simulate a race condition. Mm -hmm. So that's why where those come into play. But if you're, if you're doing it for that reason, it's not junk miles, but if you're just doing it because, Oh, I'm going to go for a tempo run today. What are you trying to accomplish? Then those can be considered junk miles. Yeah. And, and I bring, I bring up tempo um, one because I know it does fall kind of in that middle zone, but it, you know, just from what I, I see and, and uh, some people that I talk to it, a lot of times people fall into the track. Uh, and I, this is basically what we're talking about where almost every run is a tempo run. It's just, I'm going to go out there and run as hard as I can for as long as I can. Yeah. And like you said, so if there was a particular purpose behind that, that's a good thing. But when it's every single run you're doing is just pushing the pace, pushing the miles at the same time. Now we're getting stuck and not really seeing improvement yeah. on either end. Yeah. There's two points I wanted to bring that bring up based on what you just said. The first is they're not going as hard as they can for as mm-hmm. long as they can. They're going moderately hard for an extended period of time. So they, they say, I'm going to go as hard as I can at the- <laughs> Well, you're not going as hard as you can because then you'd be sprinting and that wouldn't last very long. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have to be careful about how you, you phrase it or to yourself and know that you're not working as hard as you can. Um, and the second uh, part of that is, oh, I lost my point there. Uh, we'll back to- <laughs> All right. So, uh, so focused on the, the phrasing, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I think that is a great point. It's, it might feel hard, but hard is when you're going as hard as you can. And that is a sprint when you're doing something for like 30 minutes, it, it might be hard to do, but it's not pushing that, that maximal effort. Exactly. Um, cool. So if we kind of look, uh, and then basically, so we, we talked, um, you know, how you can get an idea of how, you know, if you are in these junk miles or if you are training that aerobic or anaerobic threshold better. Uh, and then obviously the next level would be something like VO2 max testing, correct? Yes, that would be the, the kind of the, the gold standard for the most scientific. But even without a VO2 max test, um, there are calculations out there. I think I mentioned mm-hmm. it before. I don't look at them all the time, so I forget the, the names and who created them. But you, some simple calculations you can do if you are using a heart rate monitor to determine, all right, am I working hard enough? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the simplest ones is you take the number 180 and you subtract your age. Um, and that gives you a good idea of aerobic. I think that's still a little bit too high. For example, if you're a 30-year-old and you take 180 minus your age, so you're getting 150, you're considering your aerobic threshold to be 150. But if you're untrained, if you haven't done anything for a long period of time, you know you need to take at least 10 away from that, 140. Mm-hmm. Even then, that could be a little bit high depending on your level of fitness. Yeah. So yeah. These, when you do these calculations, just know that they are a – a reference guide for you because if you haven't measured your aerobic capacity through a more scientific like via two max testing you're not going to know for sure what your aerobic threshold is yeah yeah and that's you know 180 minus your age is is a good and then if you've been trained for quite a while you can add five to that um if you are untrained you subtract five so it gives you an idea um and i'm just trying to um go ahead uh, and, and I'm so basically for me, uh, 180, I'm almost 38. So I'm just going to use that would be 142. Mm-hmm. Um, and which is pretty, uh, we have done um, VO2 max testing. So it, it's been a little while since we've done it. So I probably need to, to retest it again. But based on our, our last findings, mine is 148 would be my aerobic threshold. So, but like you just said, if you're trained, maybe add five, that put me at 147. That's yeah. actually pretty, pretty darn close there. Exactly. So, I mean, so, so those numbers are relatively close, but you know, again, if you don't do any sort of training in the aerobic zone and you're doing all that tempo runs, you think, Oh, I'm pretty efficient because I do a lot of tempo runs, but that 
your aerobic threshold is not going to improve. You're working closer to your anaerobic threshold. So you're not being mm -hmm. by training either one. Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, you know, when we look at these longer races, uh, a lot of it is aerobic, you know, you know, clearly there's parts where we're going to have to go into the anaerobic system, but when we get these longer distances, uh, you need, you need to be able to last a long time and that's your aerobic system really fueling that. So this is why this is such an important thing to train. Exactly. Awesome. So, um, I know I've taken a lot of your time already. Uh, there's one other reason <laughs> that I, I, uh, wanted to get you on here and it's because of an event we have coming up that, uh, it's sort of related to what we're talking to, but um, I think uh, some of our listeners, if you're in the San Diego area, might have fun checking out, uh, and that's the Carlsbad Beer Mile. Yes, I'm excited for this. So today is uh, December 27th, right? So we're doing that on January 6th, and this is going to be our second year doing this. Yes, um, I, I guess it can be the second annual because this one we're doing in the 2019. So I know we technically we missed the year 18, but doesn't matter. On January 6th, we are doing the second annual Carlsbad Beer Mile, and All right. at the studio, and I'm looking forward. Yeah, to yeah. So it's going to be at, at San Diego Premier Training in Carlsbad. If you guys are listening, if you've never heard of this before, Dan, just run them down what they would have to do. So the Beer Mile, essentially, and most people I think have heard of this before, is. <laughs> You run one mile total, but within that mile, you're going to drink four beers. So you start off, we blow the whistle or the gun. You have to drink one beer in a 10-yard space. Once you finish your beer, then you finish, you run a quarter of a mile. And then as soon as you finish that quarter mile, you drink your second beer, repeat, drink your third beer, and then you drink your final beer and run your final lap. All right, and there is, there is a penalty if you can't hold that beer in there. If you cannot hold the beer down, then you have to run a penalty lap. Then no, there's only one penalty lap. One, not an extra beer, though. Not an extra beer, but just a penalty lap Yeah. Uh, once you do that. And um, so we're doing it. You know, we, we encourage most people to do it solo, but we do have a team division where you can do it with two people. And, um, you know, for a lot of people, that, you know, just two beers and a half a mile each is – is more than enough to, to get the feel for this type of event. Yeah, yeah. And, and even if you don't drink beer, um, we, you know, it's not something we force people to drink at all, but uh, we do have a water division where there'll be uh, some uh, LaCroix. Yeah, sparkling water, which I don't know if that's any better. No, it's, it, it's not supposed to be any better. You yeah. Need, yeah. Water is, doesn't do anything to you if you drink it, right? You got to have that disruption of your stomach with the gases. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, even if you don't want to participate, it is a fun thing to watch, especially if you watch that first, I don't know, like 50 yards of the, of the race where it's just one long burp uh, from each participant, which is pretty funny. Yes. And another, you know, and also if you want, don't want to participate, but you want to come and watch, that's great too. Or if you even want to donate, because this is a charity event, um, everyone is going to get some cool hats that we've, um, got designed for you but um, everything else after that all the donations are going to a great charity called run for water um, started by a, an ultra runner named greg armstrong and you can check them out at runforwater.net and basically what they do is, is they go around to places like in the united states like tennessee they go to nicaragua i believe they go to to uganda and some other places in africa and fix and repair wells for um, those who, you know, don't have clean drinking supply. Um, and, you know, you, you don't think about it, but there are places in Appalachia and East, uh, in the Eastern United States where getting access to clean water is, is pretty difficult. So they go and they, they fix and install and repair wells for clean water. Yeah, so it's it's going to be a fun event, but uh, more importantly, it is a good cause that we're we're going to be raising money for. So if you can make it, we'd love to see you out there. Um, the the website where you can register is carlsbadbeermile.com. Again, I'll put links in the show notes for it. Um, so I have to ask, what's what is your favorite beer? My favorite beer. Well, it's funny you ask. I uh, I just finished a run from San Diego Premier Training back to my house, and I'm enjoying now as we're talking a. Uh, Trader Joe's Hefeweizen. Nice. So it's the German wheat beer, and that's kind of my beer of choice. 
is the, the Hefeweizen. It's light, got good flavor. You know, I'll drink other beers. I do porters, but uh, a wheat beer is generally my my go-to. I'm not an IPA sort of guy. Gotcha, gotcha. You're not drunk right now, though. No, no, no. I'm just, <laughs> just one beer. All my all my advice is mostly sound. <laughs> uh, so what what's going to be your beer of choice for the event? We, I know we didn't talk about that. Uh, the official rules do call for a 5% or higher. 5% so or higher. So that'll rule out your Bud Lights, your Coors Lights, things like that. Yes. Yeah, so we will, I think we will have Budweiser, Coors, Shock Top we got last time. Yeah, that's what I did. I thought it was pretty good. I was at the store the other day looking in some, a lot of the um, Mexican beers, um, they're around 5% too. So maybe some sort of Tecate um, or uh, Pacifico, something like that. I have to look mm-hmm. exactly which ones are 5%. But um, I, I think I'm just going to go for the uh, the di- or the Coors. Yeah, uh, that's what you did last year. Coors? I did Coors, and then I think I did another one too. But you can't, you don't want too much flavor. Mm-hmm. You don't want a lot of hoppiness in it. You don't want really high alcohol. I mean, you can. Yeah, yeah. You know, you want it to be drinkable. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a uh, you, you got to really think about this. Uh, so you're not in too much yeah. trouble during the race. Like I'm looking at my Trader Joe's Hefeweizen right now, and it is 5.3%, but okay. it's not one that you want to down because mm-hmm. it's got a lot of the um, the wheat in there, so it's, it's it's not something that you can quickly drink Yeah, yeah. and move on with running a quarter of a mile. Um, so my, my goal this year is to compete with uh, your friend, Aaron. I think it's going to be a good competition. Yeah, so what's your goal to finish under? So last year I did it eight and a half, but I pulled a calf muscle. Okay. Correctly. I do so remember. Yeah. I'm, uh, but I did win if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> you did. Um, I'm going under seven minutes. All right. Number between six and seven minutes. That's awesome. Um, is my goal. Whether or not that's going to happen, we'll see. I'm, in fact, I'll, I'm going to do a training run probably on Sunday. That sounds good. I'm hoping uh, coming in a blazing 9.59. 9.59, under yes. 10 minutes. I, I'm going to go for under 10 minutes, and I'll be happy. <laughs> all right. But Awesome. Well, thank, thanks so much for coming on. Again, uh, check out the show notes for all the links that we talked about, and uh, I'm sure we'll get you back on here again soon. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, well, that's it. That's going to do it for episode 57 of the OCR Underground show. Um, don't forget to check out the show notes at ocrunderground.com slash episode dash 57. A uh, big thanks to, um, one, first off, our, our new partner, um, Andrea Bowden with Umpqua Community College. Don't forget to check out the show notes for uh, more info if you or anyone you know are thinking about going to school and, and pretty amazing opportunity to race OCRs, uh, have uh, get a scholarship and, and other cool perks. So definitely check that out. Um, also, a big thanks to Dan Schamberg for sharing some of his insight on junk miles and, and other strategies for racing so uh definitely again check out the show notes uh we'd love to have you come join us for the carlsbad beer mile on january 6th it's going to be a fun event just go to carlsbadbeermile.com and you can register there um that's going to do it i hope you guys have an awesome and safe new year be safe out there but have fun and uh, we'll see you in 2019